Hymns, Prayers, and Invitations, the latest album from Rick Lee James, has garnered praise from CCM Magazine, Worship Leader Magazine, UTR Media, and more. Written and arranged using hymnals and prayer books for inspiration, this collection of 10 modern hymn-like worship songs will inspire individuals and congregations to draw near to the heart of God. Highlights include Christ is Lord, inspired by St. Patrick's Breastplate Prayer, Advent Hymn, and the Communion Hymn, The Invitation. Worship leaders will be glad to know that all songs on the album are published through Lifeway Worship. Find hymns, prayers, and invitations on Amazon, Spotify, Apple Music, CD Baby, and at rickleyjames.com. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I'd like to host my own podcast? Well, guess what? You can go to podbean.com slash voices and get everything you need to create, manage, and promote your podcast. I use Podbean every week for voices in my head. There's easy uploading and publishing tools, stunning templates, custom domains, social and promotional tools, an embeddable podcast player, monetization tools, and more. It is your all-in-one podcasting solution. With Podbean, you can create professional podcasts in minutes without any programming knowledge. Best of all, everything is mobile-ready right from the start. So go to podbean.com slash voices. And when you sign up, use the code VOICES and you'll get a sizable discount. Podbean, for your home podcasting. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I am your host, Rick Lee James. I'm very glad you could be here with me today. This is going to be a great episode. Just a couple hours ago, I recorded a conversation with Andrew Osenga out of Nashville. He has a new album coming out. He's got a great podcast that he's hosting that's doing very well right now. And it was just fun to catch up with Andrew, and hopefully I'm going to get to see him uh, in person again to visit at the National Worship Leader Conference here in just a couple months. But we had a great conversation. I'm going to share some music from Andrew uh, in this episode from his new album, which he's currently kickstarting. More about that in just a moment. Speaking of people who are making albums and crowdfunding, I'm one of those people. And actually this week uh, begins my crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo.com. That's Indiegogo, I-N-D-I-E, uh, Gogo, G-O-G-O. I think you know how to spell it. Indiegogo.com, that's where I'm going to be uh, doing my album crowdfunding. And it's going to start on Friday the 19th. Now, this is very important. I need your help. Uh, I need your help to fund this new album. And it's going to have some great music on it. And it's where you're going to get to hear that Lost Treasure by Rich Mullins, Thunder, maybe another one that is by Rich Mullins that uh, the world mostly hasn't heard yet. Uh, some unpublished work by Rich, but also some songs by me, uh, some hymns rearranged similar to what I did on Hymns, Prayers, and Invitations. So if you like that album, you want to check this one out. But this is going to be uh, a much more me album uh, than the last one. There's much less uh, of the Nashville sound. It's going to be more me with Brothers McClurg making this album in their studio up in New York. And we've already got two songs done. Now listen, there are perks whenever you donate to this campaign. We're not just asking for something for nothing. We have to raise over $10,000 to do this project, and that's a lot. So we need your help. But when you donate, like you can just do a $5 donation, and you can get not only a thank you from me, but you get a download of the song that we recorded from Rich Mullins, Thunder. Um, there's another category for single song downloads, and there's other categories. You can get uh, the book that I wrote uh, for giving at a certain donation level. You can get digital albums. You can get uh, the entire CD whenever it comes out on compact disc. 
um, there's actually, <clears throat> excuse me, there's going to be a place where you can sign in and have your name added to the project so that when people read all about the project in the show notes, you get to have your name as part of the Rich Mullins legacy. And it's kind of a pretty cool thing to be a part of, I think. Also, um, I'm giving away rewards like being on this podcast. Um, I have a, a, a customized uh, group of things that I'm giving away from uh, my own personal collection of music and books and comic books and movies and things like that. I have a Let's Make Pancakes perk. Yes, you can come to my house. We're going to make pancakes together and have a great time. Um, there's just all kinds of things that I'm trying to offer, and, and I'm trying to make it really special. Uh, and I'm even giving away, uh, at a certain donation level, I only have one of these to give, but I'm giving away a guitar uh, autographed. My very first guitar that I ever had and learned on, played a lot of gigs with it, uh, it has a lot of sentimental value to me. So you're going to find that there's a lot of different ways to help give to this album, and I'm doing my best to give something back to you whenever you donate. So this Friday, coming up on, on the 19th of January, be watching my website, rickleyjames.com, be watching Facebook, Twitter, I'm going to be posting about it everywhere. If you haven't joined our email list yet, make sure you do, do that, go to rickleyjames.com, you can sign up for our email list, um, and there's all kinds of ways for you to be involved, be looking in the show notes of this show and you can find out more. Okay, well that's it for that today. I'm going to move on with the podcast now, and we're going to go into a song by Andrew Osenga that is uh, on his new album, and I'm really excited to be able to share this conversation with you. So we're going to start out with a song by Andrew Osenga. I'm going to follow that right up with the conversation I have with him about his new album, about his new uh, explorations in life, the new endeavors that he's a part of. And as always, it's so great to have uh, Andrew Osinga on the podcast. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. God bless you guys. We'll talk soon.
on the Voices in My Head podcast really probably needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. Andrew Osenga is a 20-year music industry veteran. From artist to producer, major label A&R to session player, he's contributed in almost every area of the business, including playing in the bands The Normals and Cademan's Call. He's also been a backup guitarist for groups like Jars of Clay and Stephen Curtis Chapman. Andrew also hosts one of the most fascinating podcasts around today called The Pivot, a show that looks at how we deal with career and life transition. His new album, The Painted Desert, is now available on Kickstarter, where he is simultaneously funding it and releasing it. Andrew Osenga, welcome back to Voices in My Head. Well, thank you, Rick. It is so good to have you on here. It's been a couple years, I think, at least. I, I've probably seen you in person since I saw you last, uh, or talked to you last on the podcast, but uh, you've had quite a few things going on in your life since then. Uh, you've you've gone from being Leonard the Lonely Astronaut uh, to being a, a person who is, is working again in a, a major record label, and now you've got a new album, you're podcast hosting, you're just, it seems like you're doing everything, so... Do you ever sleep? That's the first question. <laughs> I do not sleep very much. Uh, that that would be true. Yeah. Well, let me. Let, yeah. You know, as we're as we're getting started, and since you do famously have the Leonard the Lonely Astronaut album, and since you're kind of a sci-fi guy, I I just have to ask you because I haven't seen it yet. But have you watched any of the new Star Trek show? You know, I watched the first episode. No, it was good, but it didn't, it didn't make me watch the rest. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I, I haven't even... But also, yeah. I, I don't have the app, so Part, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to pay 10 bucks a month to watch one TV show. <laughs> but my, my I realized last year, I was like, you know what? I don't sleep enough, and so I probably shouldn't watch as much TV, and then I might <laughs> sleep more, uh, which would be better for me on lots of levels. So this year... The way our the way our house is set up, I usually do the dishes at night, and I can watch Parks and Rec while I do the dishes, uh, or I can watch Parks and Rec while I go to the gym and I'm on the elliptical, and and that's the uh, that's the TV use I allow myself this year. Oh well, good for you. Well, you you can't really. So go I'm trying with... to trying to watch less. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't really go and, wrong yeah. with Parks and Rec. That's one of the funniest all time shows ever. Dude, it's so good. I just yeah, I was like, I'm gonna start over with that, and that that's gonna be the uh, the show for the year. I, I feel like somehow Ron Swanson helps me get through the Trump era just a little bit more. <laughs> so I just like, just be more like Ron Swanson and things will be okay. Oh, man. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, since we're talking yeah. about, you know, stress level and stuff this morning uh, <laughs> with different things, um, I got to ask you, because I know you're crowdfunding an album, and that's a whole lot of work for this new album, The Painted Desert. How's your stress level this yeah. morning? Man, I, it was so funny. I was texting with Jeremy Casella, who he, he released a Kickstarter a week before mine, yeah. so we both have them out, and, uh, you know, we've been really close friends for 20 years, and so we were kind of helping each other get them ready and figure out, okay, what are you going to do? How, how about this? And um, as soon as it went live, you know, he's like, dude, yeah, you're going to kill it. Yeah. And then, you know, an hour later, I'm like, I forgot how stressful this was. Because yeah. Yeah. I say all that, and then also it's been less than 24 hours, and it's like 45% funded. That's amazing. Um, which is insanity. Yeah. So, and I haven't really played shows in the last few, I mean, up to very, very few shows the last four years. Mm. And, I mean, I have not done much. I really haven't done much social media stuff. Like, I just kind of have stopped the business side of an artist's career. Sure. And so the fact that people are even paying attention and seeing it is stunning. And the fact that people are supporting so quickly. Um, and so encouragingly, it's just been kind of overwhelming. It's been really, really neat. Well, that's wonderful. Well, I think people are just thirsty for new music from you. That's what it is. They're, they've, we've, we've loved it for a long time, and we're ready for more. And sometimes, you know, I think when you go away for a little while, it probably makes it more special. You know, there's a sense in which, mm -hmm. like, 
Like you can't come back unless you go away. So there's <laughs> there's something about that. <laughs> so it's 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 kind of interesting how that works. But I I get that because I I start a new campaign for a new album myself this coming Friday, and and I know it's just oh, good. A, it's just a ton of work, you know. And I don't think people realize all the behind the scenes stuff that goes into it. So. Uh, I'm so, oh, man, it's so much work. Yeah. yeah, I'm so glad that yours is going so well that I couldn't believe uh, when, when I saw this morning. Because I think last night, maybe when I went to bed, you had made a post about we're at 30 percent. This is awesome. You know, and then like this morning, I went to the gym early and I checked out your feed. It's like we're at 40 percent, you know, <laughs> so it's just it's great. I'm so glad to see that people are um, are, are funding music because I don't I don't know that um, that people are paying for music like they once did you know they'll stream a song or they'll you know grab a facebook link and listen for free but it's it's heartening to know that for good music people are actually willing to pay for it so i'm glad to glad to see that's happening yeah i know it's really really encouraging and, and that's the reason I, I did another kickstarter i mean our the record's done like it's finished and there were a few you know it doesn't cost a lot for me to make this, you know, this kind of record's cheap, very chill. I didn't have a bunch of extra musicians on it. And most of the people who played on it and sang on it were just friends that just, you know, came by for 45 minutes and sang, and we sure. hung out a little bit. And, and you know, so I'm not... I didn't spend a whole lot on the record. Um, you know, so I have some costs, some people that I, I need to pay that, you know, just said, hey, pay me once you've done a Kickstarter for it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of marketing expense that will go, you know, t- towards just telling the story of the record and trying to get the music to people who haven't heard it sure. or heard of me. Um, but by releasing it on Kickstarter versus just putting it up on Spotify, it gives people a chance to actually support it. Yeah. Well, you know, and so people who get, get, you know, 10 bucks, yeah. you get a bunch of people that, pay 10 bucks for a record it's like, man that goes a long way to the person who made that record yeah um so i'm thrilled i'm gonna get to be able to you know say thank you to the people who were a part of it and yeah. and get to move forward with it and you know a lot of independent artists and i spend a lot of my time kind of consulting and talking with young younger independent artists and one of the biggest things i see is that we think that the hard work is making the record, but the hard work is selling the record and yeah. telling people about it. You know, it's, it's like I, I I always use the like the marriage analogy. It's like you know, making an album and writing songs is the, is the making out of being married. It's like <laughs> it's fun and easy. You know, like even if it takes some work, it's still really fun and easy. It, it, it's like telling people about the record and, and booking shows and um, you know, that's the doing the dishes and taking up the garbage and you know, that that's the work of being married. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the work of being an artist. And, and so the fact that I'll have resources to do that is a real gift. Cause that's the thing that I've not always had the, had the luxury of or the resources to do. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's great to see I think this is one of the more, creative ways I've seen it done because you're letting people know too that the album is already done you know most of us it's like we need money so we can even start the recording process and and you, yeah. and you wonder how to do it you know in in the age that we have because it seems like every idea has been tried on some level when it comes to marketing a project and figuring out how to get it in front of people's eyes and uh, I've got a good friend of mine, um, and I think you might actually know him, Dale Baker. He used to play for Sixpence None the Richer. Yeah. And uh, he he has a new album coming out as a solo artist, and and his his artist name is going to be the Maudlin Fee, and uh, and Dale ha- has this kind of cool idea of of releasing um, a song a month for the entire year, so that he can just after that um, that twelve months has gone by, the entire year he'll put it out as a cd and as a full record but in that time he's just going to do one every month and kind of slowly release because nobody really knows his name as an artist himself and i thought that was a cool idea and and it's always neat to see just people who are trying new things and almost seeing what sticks you know when it comes to the whole kickstarter indiegogo world and and trying to do things like that and, and i consider you to be one of those innovators you know that you find a way to make it work and 
Um, oh, man, well, thank you. Now, one thing I really... Well, that's actually kind of... Oh, no, no. I was going to say, that's actually the main release plan for uh, for this record is very similar to that. Like, what I, what I found on other projects is having people that already know my music and care about it, mm-hmm. uh, having them have access to a new project is the best marketing possible. Mm-hmm. You know, if the, if the record that you make is good yeah. and it connects with people in a, in a way, they'll tell people about it. And um, so, yeah, the, the actual record won't come out like, and by come out, I mean, it won't be on iTunes and Spotify as a full record until I think October. Yeah. Well, so that I can, you know, so that in October I'm not, Hey guys, I put a record out eight months ago, but that I can say, Hey, that record you've been hearing about all year, it's finally here. And I can take three weeks or a month to talk about a song. And then a month later, talk about the next song, a month yeah. later, talk about the next song. It's, it's what Taylor Swift gets to do on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> by putting a new single out every month or two. Yeah. But we don't have that luxury and so I think finding creative ways to be able to just tell people about track nine, which is typically something nobody hears or discovers or it just often gets completely overlooked for an artist. And yeah. um so I'm excited that in September I get to talk about track nine. Yeah. And people can hear that that, that song means something. Yeah. And they might they might want to hear it, you know. Well, that's so, that's yeah, it's fun. That's great. Well, I can't wait to hear the rest of the album. I've been listening to Beautiful Places, but I, probably just this morning alone, I've heard it three or four times. Uh, and we're going to be playing. Oh wow! And uh, I'm, uh, you know what? Listeners may have already heard it by this time. By the time that I get done uh, editing the podcast all together, uh, I don't know if I'm going to put it before our conversation or after, but I know they're going to love it. And I, I love, as all of your fans do, I, we love the story aspect of, of so many of your songs. But another thing that I really love about you is your generosity to help artists make great music as well. Not not just all about you. I love the way that you kind of share your wealth. And um, you've been a person who has touched many lives in that way, my own included, you know, and helping people make wise decisions and, and build healthy business foundations and you know when I when I released my last album hymns prayers and invitations with Lifeway uh, you were you were so helpful and you probably don't even realize how helpful you were but you just took some time on the phone mm-hmm. with me and I think we talked for 30 minutes to an hour or something and you just helped me talk through some things you know I, I could probably name a dozen artists that are, are friends of mine and friends of yours who would probably say the same thing about you and and the way that I think community has been important to you, not only in in helping your music but helping you um, help other artists. And so, as as I think about that this morning, I first just want to say thank you for the way that you invest in the lives of others. But I also want to ask you how the stories of the community around you maybe um, influence the making of this record. Hmm. Well, man, thank you for saying that. That's that's really that that's really encouraging. It means a lot. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So um, the stories of, of so, uh, t- tell me that question again. Oh, just, the stories of my community around yeah, me. Just kind of asking about if if the stories of the community around you and how they have influenced the making of this record. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, this is my first interview about this record, so I have no, uh, have no like answers. I'm number, in yet, you know? <laughs> I'm number one. Yeah, I'm like, very good. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, like, oh gosh, I haven't thought about that before. Um, well, and I'm, you know what, I'm, you know, to give you a minute to think about it, uh, and I'm, I'm only making that assumption because just based on hearing only beautiful places, I mean, I, I can, to me, that sounds like a song, maybe. Uh, like almost a love letter to your children, uh, and maybe it can be interpreted different ways, but it feels like someone's story in there, you know? And I guess that's what I mean about yeah. the community and the stories that influence us. Oh, yeah. I mean, my community is all over this record um, in about a million different ways, which is so interesting. Like, I tend to make records in a room by myself. Hmm. Um, I'm a producer, I'm a writer. I can play a lot of different instruments, um, which often is to my detriment hmm. um, because I think I can do more than I can hmm. or I don't have uh, objectivity just because, you know, just because I can, 
do a bunch of stuff doesn't mean I can do it. I'm doing the right things, mm. you know, um, the things that are best for the song or that the song is best, whatever. And so, um, for this project, as well as like the Leonard project, where I played 98% of what you're hearing, um, but community was huge in creating the framework for it. And so, uh, for this one, you know, I, I, we have a small home and I work, I have a sort of studio ish thing in my basement. Um, my kids were home a lot. I, I wrote this record over the summer. And so, so I couldn't get work done. So I'd go across the street to my friend Paul's house. He's a single guy. He plays drums on all my records and, um, he's a dear friend and he's got a, there's a code on the door that just opens the front door and, and I know the code and, so I just went over while he was on the road playing drums for somebody else and just sat on, in his living room and wrote most of these songs um, because I didn't have a place to really work very well. I recorded this record in Josh Wilson's basement, oh, wow. uh, who's another neighbor down the street. He's an, uh, a, an artist and um, they have a killer little studio and, and he was on the road and so his wife and, and their their son were upstairs and I was downstairs just in their studio and they were just yeah come over just you got a place to work <laughs> um, which was so kind and then um, I didn't I needed to make sure the songs were good so I I invited a bunch of friends over to Andrew Peterson's uh, he's got this little kind of writing cottage next to their house mm-hmm. um, so I I bought a bottle of whiskey and and called some friends and we met over there and I played them like probably half the record and mm. just played in the songs and said, okay, what's wrong? And they said, well, this is really good about it, but that line didn't make sense. Or why did you say that? Or that song's not finished or, and, um, mm. you know, took a bunch of songs from, you know, being B songs to being a songs, um, whether a bunch of little changes or, or one or two big changes. And, mm. um, and, you know, and then so having friends, come over and sing on it or uh, a couple of these songs I I sent them to my producer friends I just sent them an mp3 and said hey will you just add one thing just just one thing I don't even know I don't care what it is um, and I'm not going to tell you what it should be just put something on here hmm. and they would send things back and every time it was a surprise and every time it was wonderful hmm. and oh I wish I would have thought of that myself, but I wouldn't have thought about myself. I had to have Kaysen think of that. I had to have Greg LaFalla think of that. Um, so that was really cool. So, um, and all to Shane Wilson mixed the record, who uh, has mixed a bunch of things that I've worked on over the years. And we used to be in the same studio building together years ago. But um, I mean, I remember the first time I heard a record that he mixed, and that was the first time I realized, oh somebody mixes these things yeah, <laughs> and they're magical people. Yeah. They do things that don't, uh, that don't make sense. And they, um, they make this more than the sum of its parts, more than just, Oh, there's a guitar and there's a guitar and there's a bass guitar and there's a drum. They turn it into this living, breathing thing. Sure. And, um, he's just a mad scientist genius and has <laughs> become a dear, dear friend. And, and so for him to be able to take what I did in another friend's basement and to make it turn out so beautiful, it's just a gift. So when I hear the record, you know, I hear my community all over it. Yeah. Um, and then the songs are about just the fact that I don't, I've been going through a really hard couple of years um, in a bunch of different ways. And, um, and my community is really carried me through it Hmm. and so yeah there's a lot of references to them throughout the record um references to conversations um yeah to moments that uh, and so yeah the uh, community is just huge that's that's awesome i love hearing that and i I love hearing about um you know a, a lot of this need to allow maybe our uh, our friends and our peers to do a little more with our music than we allow them to sometimes. You know, I love 
how you said that, but, you know, this friend put this on there. I didn't even tell him what to do exactly. And, you know, in many ways that, that makes it feel more like the church too, in a lot of ways that we all have this yeah. part together. And even though one person might sort of be the one that started it, it takes so many of us to kind of carry it on to completion. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking as you mentioned, even like the, the art behind a mix engineer, um, for listeners, you know, you may not give a lot of thought to that, but if you've ever been, um, let's just say at a church where somebody didn't know what they were doing on a soundboard, <laughs> you, you can, you can, you can, <laughs> you know, when it's you, not working, you know, yeah. when it's not working for sure. And, and the sign of someone that knows what they're doing, when someone can go in and, and really just make the mix something beautiful, um, it's a good thing that you don't notice them and their job is to almost be, you know, like the invisible person in the background, but without them, my goodness, I mean, what would we do? And, and it, it's so many aspects that go into an album. And I'd, I'd love to, to talk more about this all day, but there's a couple other things I want to talk about too. So what I'm going to say right here to the sure. listeners is uh, that listeners, if you have not had a chance to go to Andrew's Kickstarter page, uh, I would encourage you to go and and donate to the campaign. You're, you're really not even donating. You're buying a record is what you're doing, um, and you get to have it in advance of everybody else. Um, and there's some pretty great perks on there. There's hats you can get. There's you know the actual album and, and numerous other perks, as always happens with, uh, with uh, crowdfunding campaigns like these. So I'd encourage you to go there. Is there, a, is there an easy link for me to say, like, where they could go? Is it, like, kickstarter.com slash Andy or something? I'm, I'm not sure exactly what that's uh, That's a good question. I should probably come up with that. Um, well, e- I think if you just look up Andrew Osinga on Kickstarter, that'll get you there. All right. Well, and what I'll also do is I will make sure in the show notes of this show on the website and on, on the podcast page – uh, to put a link to this Kickstarter campaign as well, so that you're listening, you can just oh, click right you. on. Sure, we'll make sure and do that, and that way we don't have to remember what it was. They can just click on it. So, um, well, one thing I want to talk to you, there, there's actually two things, if we have time, I want to talk about today, and both of them are podcast-related, because you have entered into right. sort of a new realm as a podcast host, and I've been listening to The Pivot, and I've I've really been enjoying it. I think you have... Uh, a gift for interviewing that it, it's um, I wouldn't say it surprised me but maybe what surprised me was just how good you are at it and because you're so conversational oh. with people um, and you know those of us who have been doing podcasting for a while I listen to some of the shows and go man I'm jealous you're just so at ease you know like the way that you do it and uh, I, I listened recently to your Reed Arvin conversation that you had on the pivot and I, I thought man that was a one of the all-time great storytellers, you know, just to have him sit and tell stories about Rich Mullins and stories about being a novelist. And, you know, I, and I love the concept that you have um, of people who have sort of made huge life changes sort of midway through the career. Um, so if you would, I, I want you to just talk about the pivot a little bit, kind of where that show started with you and and just whatever you'd like to tell us about it, because the best recommendation I can do, and, and, and believe me, it's hard to do this while you're on another podcast to say, go listen to this other podcast. <laughs> so what I'm going to what I'm gonna say to listeners is finish this one first. Play this one on your laptop, Keep, play yeah, that one on your that's laptop. That's right. Finish this one first, but then go to the pivot and listen to Andrew Osinga's show. But tell us a little bit about the pivot. Oh, man, you're kind. Um, thank you. Yeah, so I um, – I'm 38, and I, uh, I had, like, you know, in your introduction of me, which was so kind, you mentioned all these different things I've done, which in one sense is like, oh, that's really cool. In another sense, that means that I have, I'm constantly starting over. Mm. Um, and I don't like that part of it. Um, that's not, that's never been a goal is to just have to keep starting over, you know, and, um, and it's hard. And even when I get to do amazing things and work with amazing people like that, that will end, you know, and the tour ends, the record ends, um, you know, my time at the label ended and, and then you sit around and you go, okay, well now what? And sometimes you end and you jump right into something. And that's typically been how it's, how it's been for me. But last year stuff ended and I, it took a long time to figure out what was next. Hmm. And, um, couple false starts with 
and that was um, I'm thankful that that was new and that I hadn't had that experience before, but it was awful. Hmm. And um, and just re- it was a really hard season. And I'm having these conversations with my friends about how we all kind of feel like we're starting over. Yeah. And then I, l- I was listening on NPR. Uh, they were talking about people in the tech world um, who essentially their job doesn't exist after five years because technology outpaces the, the, their skill. Hmm. Um, so like people who are app developers, this, you know, right now, you know, we'll have to be something else in five years and we're something else five years ago because you couldn't develop apps or what, you know, so, and so basically we live in this culture where a lot of people, uh, don't have the option of starting a job at 22 and working it until they're 65. Hmm. You know, that we have to keep finding new skill sets. We have to keep reinventing what we have to offer to the world in a work sense. Um, and so on the career front, that's happening to our culture. Uh, but also just in life, man, it's like we get older. We start having kids. Our kids go to college. Our parents get old and get sick. Our our knees give out. Our, uh, you know, what, whatever the thing is, uh, you know, the only constant is change. Mm-hmm. And that's never comfortable. And so... I wanted to, I've been, so I've been having these great conversations with my friends about that, realizing that a lot of us, we're all kind of feeling that way. We're all feeling like we're reinventing, especially in my world where a lot of us have been touring musicians for 20 years and we don't want to do that anymore. Hmm. And people are getting off the road, having to go back on the road, getting off the road again, trying to figure out, well, my passion and my dream has always been to do this thing. And I got to do this thing and I did it well. And now I need to figure out what's past that. Hmm. And that's a really tricky place to be. Um, especially with like, you know, you, all you all you have as far as education is an honorary degree or something. Hmm. Um, which I have a bunch of friends in that situation, which is hilarious, but true. So <laughs> I love podcasts, and I was driving behind the middle school bus from a field trip with my daughter. Um because she wanted me to go on a field trip with her, which was so sweet. But in middle school, your dad can't ride the bus with you because that's not cool. So <laughs> I'm driving behind in my little Toyota, coming back from the Civil Rights Museum in Birmingham, which is amazing, by the way. Wow. And um, realizing, like, man, there's no, I love podcasts, and there's nothing that talks about this. It's uh, There's a lot of people who've made it, talking about how they made it, um, but there's nobody talking about what didn't work hmm. and or why they had to stop doing something they cared about. And I wanted to talk about that. And so I just thought, well, I, I've got some recording gear. I bet I can figure out how to make a podcast. So I called some friends, and I did about 10 interviews before I ever said I was doing a podcast just to just to see if it would work sure. and if I could put it together and and then I put out that first season, and it was a blast. I just loved it. And um, I come from a long line of people who like to talk a lot. <laughs> and so my one rule essentially was just talk as little as possible. Hmm. Um, just listen. And so it, if you say I'm a great interviewer, uh, I don't know that I, I don't necessarily believe that's true. Um, but – I believe it's been a good uh, lesson in self, sure. uh, just self-awareness and uh, discipline to not try to always have to have a point, um, but to be able to just listen and hear what they have to say. Well, and I, and um, that's been a, yeah, yeah, it's not always a thing I'm good at. <laughs> yeah, no, but you know what? That's that's something that makes a great interview, and it's something I'm I'm learning as I go uh, to allow people to talk more. And I think of some of the great. Um, interviewers like you know Terry Gross on Fresh Air on NPR, someone like that. She really doesn't say that much. She finds ways to allow the people to talk about themselves, and that is something that you do very, very well. And and you you, you say you have a hard time not talking, but there there is a great amount of restraint uh, 
um, even with me, like here I am interjecting in the middle, but you you do it very well, and I think you have, um, you know, talk about this sort of uh, second career, this pivot. I mean, who who knew Andrew Osenga was going to be a great podcast host, and and you really are. Oh You're man, you're so kind. So there's we're just convinced. Well, and every every interview en- every interview ends, you know, and then I'm like, okay, I got twelve things I have to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, I really love yeah. I really love what you've done with the show. Uh, I have to say that the most surprising one to me was the Bebo Norman conversation that I heard, just because I like I didn't know he had stopped doing music and was completely, you know, was building houses and doing all. I mean, just it was an amazing conversation to hear about things like that. So, uh, so just in the way that I pointed everyone to your Kickstarter page, I also want to point them to The Pivot, just because I think the the conversations really do have some value. And you're right, we don't hear a lot of podcasts about, you know, tell us the story about how you failed, you know, <laughs> or whatever. And it's, yeah, and that's, yeah. And that's not necessarily what the show is about. A lot of times they do have sort of silver linings, but it takes a great amount of honesty, uh, especially from people who are artists, to just talk about, wow, this is where things went really wrong, you know, and, and that's, that's tough because... Yeah. Especially in the social media world, and and you you probably feel this way too on some level. You always seem to have to be like, um, like oh look at what a good time I'm having. You know that's one problem with social oh, media. Oh yeah, it's so not true. Yeah, I mean social media for me is like I just I realized it was just cancerous mm-hmm. to my heart, and so I'm basically only on it if I'm. Hey, I got a new podcast. Hey, I've got a new record. Right. <laughs> okay, that's it. I gotta go. <laughs> like it's a great place to connect with people, but um, you know, that's what what what's been great about the podcast is I sit with somebody for an hour and I look at some look them in the, in the eyes and I don't talk, hmm. and um, and so I don't get that. Oh, I'm just having another perfect day. Or my perfectly framed Instagram. It's like no, no, no. I'm, I'm seeing their faces they're trying not to cry they're talking about this thing that's really hard and oh man yeah. that's where life is yeah there's and um yeah i i don't know if you has seen the new the new jumanji movie that came out uh, I've not. very recently it's actually <laughs> surprisingly quite funny probably better than the first one but um, it was one of those like I had an afternoon free. I'm gonna go see things. But it, the reason I bring it up is there's a a teenage girl in that film um, who is desperately trying to make her Instagram look like she's having an effortlessly beautiful, wonderful time. But she's putting she's putting <laughs> so much work into it. Like it's it's so true to life. Like she's she's trying to make it seem like she's just woke up in the morning and she looks beautiful and she's having, you know, and, and in reality she's trying to set the cup, you know, the coffee cup to look a certain way and she's trying to, you know, it takes so much work and um, and I feel like that's where we are sometimes. Everybody's afraid to uh, to let maybe the truth be known at times. Um, so anyway, I'll, I'll, all that is to say you're doing a really good job with the pivot. I, I really enjoy it. Oh, man. I, I always look forward to the new episodes. I feel like I have so many podcasts to listen to. I can't keep up, but this is one of them that always makes it to my, you know, this is one I've got to make uh, time for to listen to. So I appreciate what you're doing on the podcast. Oh, man. Thank you, Rick. That, that's really kind. I appreciate that. Oh, you bet. Now, there's one other thing, and and I know we we had talked about maybe a half hour. It's, it's still, is it okay if we go a little bit longer? Oh, it's fine. Yeah, my dude, my kids are never going to school again. It's just so snowy. <laughs> Mine just went back today. So yeah, all yeah. my all my meetings got canceled today, and I'm <laughs> working from home again. So uh, we're we're good. Understood. All right. Well, the other one that I want to talk to you about, it actually does have to do with a podcast on some level, and that's through UTR Media, and they have this really great show that I also look forward to all the time. Uh, Dave puts out, and I know he puts a ton of work into this, but the Release Date podcast, and I know you've been on there a couple times and and telling the story behind these uh, these Rich Mullen songs that you're producing, actually, and so I'm really excited about that project especially because i've uh, i just finished recording one of rich's uh, sort of lost songs for a new album that i'm doing and so i always get interested when anything rich mullins comes about and i'm especially excited about this process so so i'm going to try to just quickly update listeners on what i know and then let you fill in the gaps real quick all right 
But if you listen to this sure. release date podcast, which uh, when Dave was on the show a few weeks ago, he talked about it. Um, he's telling the story of the making of an album, and this particular album is one that UTR Media is trying to make. It's a Rich Mullins tribute album of sorts with different artists. They're trying to uh, discuss all the ways on the podcast of the things that go into making an album, from budgeting to bringing together artists and musicians. And it's a really fascinating show. It's it's very much in the style of, of any of the great you know sort of radio shows that you would hear um, online. Uh, it, it's almost like a This American Life type podcast, you know, the way that it's produced. Um, and you've been on there numerous times because you are sort of you sort of stepped into the role of uh, producer for this album and kind of putting it all together. If if that's what I'm understanding. So so tell us a little bit about how this whole process is coming along with this new album. <laughs> yeah, well, this one is uh, that that record, man. I'm so excited about the idea of it and it um it's definitely a labor of love mm. and uh for everybody involved it's, it's sort of a it's a passion project which means um it's not anything they're going to make much money off of and it's 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 kind of always fighting to be any sort of priority mm -hmm. um until we get going you know and we're, we're still in that we're still trying to figure out how exactly we're going to pull it off mm. um you know, just because records, records don't necessarily take a lot of money these days, but they still take time, and that time takes money. Yeah. And so for us, we're trying to figure out exactly how we're going to do it. And, and so Dave is a huge part of that, a guy named Andrew Greer, mm -hmm. um, who is just a fantastic podcast host. He's a moody radio host. He's an author. He's a musician. He's one of these kind of guys that just has a million things going on. He's the executive producer of the record. And he and I and Dave have been working a lot on just figuring out how we're going to um, tell the story so that we can uh, create the time to make it. And so Andrew's got a great plan in place um, that I think we're going to start kind of after the after this Kickstarter and release of my record is done. Um, uh, which uh, will hopefully mean we can start making the record maybe this summer yeah. uh, or late late spring if we just crush it. Um, yeah, it's it's one of these things we all really 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 want to happen. Um, and one of the one of the treats about it is that Reed Arvin is involved as well, oh, uh, who produced all of Rich's original records wow. and uh, has become a, a a friend and and to the, the thought of getting a produce a record with him in the room mm. uh kind of you know if, if i'm guiding the room he's guiding me <laughs> um that's going to be i'm just so looking forward to that and just learning from him because that dude's amazing yes. and um so crazy talented yeah and especially as you start uh, the more time you spend with him the more you hear stories about working with rich and you hear about how working with rich meant <laughs> sort of like rich would drop off you know some lyrics and a suggestion of a melody and then disappear for four days and we have to make the record. So a lot of what we love about those records is actually, I mean, obviously a lot of it is rich, but a lot of it is read. Yeah. And, um, which is what a fantastic gift he's got. And, um, so yeah, it's an amazing cast of people that are involved in it. Um, and it's just a logistical nightmare to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't. I can't imagine. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. Is is uh, I think we we finally got a good plan, and we're figuring out sort of how we're going to execute that so we can set the stage to to take the time to make it. Well, it sounds. Like... And that's gonna, like I said, that's the making out of the of the record. <laughs> like the making, it's going to be fun. Right. Um, that'll just be that hard work will be a a treat this hard work is hard work yeah uh, but it sounds like you got the right people in place um I, and andrew greer is also a, a friend and co-writer of mine and i i just I, I i think he's you've got all the right people in place let's put it that way i feel like everybody God, he's amazing yeah i don't know how he he does all that he does but i i, I highly respect him and uh, the book that he just put together uh, with Randy Cox, uh, Winds of Heaven uh, and Stuff of Earth, I mean, it's such a, such a great book. And I think those stories um, are, are going to go a long way to even helping 
with the record, I hope, because you get some, some really, truly genuine, I, I mean, the stories in the book are just amazing um, that you get to hear, and yeah. I've been a fan of Rich Mullins for years, and, and I, reading that book afresh for me was like, wow, I didn't know this about him, I didn't know that, and here's this really human moment, and here's this, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know even what else to say about it, other than I'm really excited about the record, and I'm enjoying listening to release date and, and hearing sort of how the process is going. And, and, and it helps me, too, because one thing that I think shows, like, release date and the pivot and, and just the transparency that you have, you know, I, I, people like, like me who are, you know, at the same time pulling out what little hair I have left, um, trying to figure out how the, the, how the making of a record goes, you know, like, like boy, I've got to get this in place and i got to figure this out and i got to kickstart that. And and you do start to think sometimes like I bet nobody else has these problems that I'm having right now you know and it's so oh, yeah so it, it's so encouraging and and heartening in many ways to hear like oh no there's other people that are also going through it and and this is the way that it gets done and don't be too discouraged by this and and keep at it so um, just in so many ways I, I find myself encouraged by the work that you're doing and um, and the. The, the three different things that we talked about today between your album, the Pivot podcast, the new Rich Mullins project. Um, there's so much for people to look forward to and things that you're being involved with. So now as we close out our conversation today, um, I, I know that Nick Flora is a mutual friend and is a really good friend of yours, and you've produced many uh -huh. albums by him. And one thing that um, I, I miss as he, he's – moved into like a new podcast now from the one that he used to have but his old podcast um the, the name has escaped me right now for some reason um uh who who writes this yes stuff? yes who writes this stuff yeah i always enjoyed the it was show, a great one yeah and i always enjoy and, and i like the the new one he's doing too but the old show he'd always end with asking the artist a question and so in in honor of nick flora today i'm going to ask his old question <laughs> from that show and his question was always worst gig, best gig, and uh, he would always ask the oh. artist. And I, so I wonder if you know, as time's gone by, I, I mean, I almost wonder if your worst gig was you know the time when I was the only one that came to see you in Cincinnati. But you know, <laughs> but but I'll, I'll let you decide what's your worst gig and your best. Yeah, gig I remember that one. There were there were nine people who came to that show, <laughs> and there were five people on stage, and I was wearing a spacesuit. Yeah, that was not. That was a rough one. Um, but you know what? I had, I had a great time. <laughs> Dude, that, that was band was smoking. We didn't care. I mean, we, obviously, I cared. Uh, but they were like, they were getting paid. And so it was like, they just loved to play. We had yeah. so much fun. Um, yeah, so the word, gosh, I've had so many worse shows. But they're also... There's a, there's a point in your career as a musician where you have to... You have to you have to you you see these things coming. You know, you, it's not like you just you're on stage and all of a sudden everything goes wrong. It's like no, no, no. You know, from the minute you pull up to a place, like today's gonna be one of those days. This one's gonna go sideways. Some so things are not as they should be. You know, people forgot to tell anyone you had a concert. You know, and so I used to find those really discouraging, um, but. Uh, then I, re I realized there's this guy in town, uh, he's a drummer and producer named Ken Lewis, who's played on just like a bajillion records and played with everybody in town. And he's this legendary storyteller. And what we kind of realized about Ken after a while is that like when you hang out with him, he just sort of disappears on you sometimes. And it's because he realizes if he stands over there next to that weird, that weird dude, like something's going to happen and then Ken's going to have a great story. And he just collects these stories. He puts himself in a position to get him, and I love that about him. And so I, now I, I enter into those days going, okay, today's going to be a story day. <laughs> and so most of most of the worst gigs I, the worst gigs now are like, I kind of am having a lot of fun while I'm there. Right. Uh, you know, because that's the, that's the luxury of saying like I've played over two thousand shows. I've been doing this for twenty ten years. Like I don't have to prove to myself that I can play a show mm -hmm. or that I'm a decent musician. You know, it's like, okay, just weird stuff happens. Um, so probably one of the, one of the most fun, weird ones that, that's coming to mind. Um, gosh, there's so many, but we played this show with Cademans. Mm -hmm. when I was in a band named Cademans Call. It was this uh, Christian festival 
uh, I don't remember where, maybe like South Carolina or Georgia or something. And um, it uh, it was huge festival. They had this huge stage, all of like all the gear you ask for that you don't usually get when you say, you know, and they're going to have backline. I had two Vox AC30s, which is the best um, amps to play through, and um, you know, tons of vendors and you know, an immaculate lawn probably could have held nine or 10,000 people probably. And, <laughs> and we were one of the headliners and um, a couple other bands who were maybe like a little past their prime, which we were, you know, like we we're all kind of these now B level bands. Um, and so this was going to be a great gig, you know, and mm-hmm. they've got uh, just everything's like perfect. And the, the gates open, at, you know, like 10 or 11 in the morning and, uh, and nobody, <laughs> And like two o'clock in the afternoon, nobody. Oh my! Literally, Rick, not a single person came to that festival. Wow! But there were there were probably I mean, like Pizza Hut is there and food trucks and like all, I mean there were hundreds of people working the event. Oh my gosh! But not a single ticket, not a person came, and we came to realize that this was some sort of mafia money laundering scheme. No. That they didn't need to make money. They didn't market it. They never actually sold tickets. Wow. But they needed to prove on paper that they had this thing. And and when this, we were kind of, we're just sort of picking this up throughout the day. We're sort of putting pieces together. And at the end of the day, you know, we we had to play our set to get paid. And it's like contractual, it was like 45 minutes. So like all <laughs> the bands go up and play for 45 minutes to 30 random, you know, food truck vendors who have no, no one to sell to who are just like, I guess I'll watch Point of Grace this afternoon. You know, and so you're just basically on stage making music for 45 minutes. And then, um, and wow. then our road manager goes to get paid. And there's this trailer behind the stage. And he walks in, and I don't remember what we were supposed to get paid, but it wasn't enough, but it was cash. <laughs> There's a stack of cash and a pistol sitting on the table and a dude sitting there and he goes, We can pay you this and Kevin's like, Okay <laughs> <laughs> takes, takes the money and you know, gets out of there as fast as possible and he's like I mean this guy's a worship leader now, this this uh our road manager at the time, like he's just the nicest, like most sincere, genuine. He, there's no part of him that is like embellishing, or he's. Like, I thought I was gonna die. I thought I was gonna die. I thought, he's freaking out. We get in the the bus to leave, and the gates are chained, and they won't. For some reason, they won't let us out because of some weird thing that they wanted us to do. And everybody's like, we got to get out of here. This place is creeping us out. They're going to murder people. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one, this one band. So the way tour buses work is you typically lease them. So you, like you, you rent them from a company that owns them. And so uh, your driver is going to be careful with it. You know, it's a very expensive rental. Uh, but one band, or I believe it was Big Daddy Weave, owned their own bus. So they, theirs was not a rental. And so they were like, all right, guys, get behind us. <laughs> they, they backed up, and they hit that gate at like 70 miles an hour and just tore it out of the, tore it out of the ground. <laughs> and just roller. And on them, like five buses just immediately streamed past it. We were just out of there. It was hilarious. I couldn't believe it. Uh, so that's one of them. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's a fantastic story. I, that's the best one probably I've ever heard. <laughs> oh no, oh, I'm sure there. I'm sure there are like more interesting ones than that. Oh one. no, that one's great. That one's really good. Well, I'm I boy, if that was your your low point, you know, your your worst gig. Um, do you, do you have a best one you can think of just off the top of your head that or maybe at least for you was kind of a high point? Yeah, oh man, I've had so many just wonderful, and I've been really blessed by getting to work with a lot of great musicians and um, who have great audiences. Typically, my shows are really tiny, and uh, you know, I make my career 
supporting other artists for the most part. And so, um, gosh, there's been so many just wonderful things uh, that I've just gotten, I've been lucky enough to be in the room for. Um, Probably the highlight for me, uh, a few years ago, I got to play at Carnegie Hall with Stephen Chris Chapman. Uh, I was in his band at the time, and for this gig, we just scrap all of our usual material and rework 25 songs um, so that we, we were, and we were playing with the New York Philharmonic Orchestra and a 300 person choir. Hmm. And um, Carnegie Hall has all these rules about what you can and can't have on stage. You can have six monitors in total, hmm. uh, 24 microphones in total, um, which to cover the orchestra and the choir, that takes 12. And so, and the singer's going to take one. Um, so the band gets 11 microphones, wow. um, which typically for the four guys in the band, we used like 70 or 80 inputs wow. on a tour, okay. on a tour date. Um, you know, a, a drum set takes 20 by itself. And, uh, you know, we've all got all these various instruments, things we do. So, uh, what it meant is that we had to be really musical mm-hmm. and we had to be, um, you didn't just play your part. You, you had to we were play everything we were playing was kind of fresh and it was, uh, we weren't relying on any tracks or click or anything, all the things that we can kind of, you know, yeah. make sure that even if you have a bad night, you still have a good night. Yeah. Um, we didn't have any of that. It was just, uh, it was so it's just so present. It felt like a club show, um, except it was Stephen Chris Chapman, who I had posters of when I was a kid. Um, it freaking Carnegie Hall, you know, or Tchaikovsky was the first performer, you know, and the Beatles played the, and like what? And uh, and and because there are so many people on stage, it's like the band. There were the four of us were just right super close to Stephen, and uh, and so I'm just I'm sitting here four feet from just one of my heroes and I'm watching him have the, the highlight of his career, yeah. you know, one of, one of his career highlights and where he's playing his songs to sold out Carnegie hall. And then I get to sing the harmony, you know? Um, <laughs> and uh, it was just an amazing, amazing, and I get to play electric guitar. Yeah. Like, right. I get to play the most fun instrument of all at this thing. You got to And suck. I missed two notes that night. I can tell you exactly what notes they were in which song. <laughs> um, which is a pretty good night for me. That's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So you, um, you, yeah, it was, you, it was amazing. You got to saddle up your horses more than any of the rest of us have that night. For yeah, sure. dude, we would open that. We opened every show with that song. And let me tell you what, it's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? I'm so glad you said that one. I actually hoped you would because I knew you did that gig, and I recently read um, his his autobiography that's, that he wrote, and the opening chapter of yeah. the book is actually about that gig and some of the amazing things just from his perspective that it happened. And the whole time, mm. the whole time I'm reading it, I'm thinking, "Oh, Andy was there that night," you know. So it's, it's. I'm so glad you picked that one. I was really hoping you were going to pick that as the gig because it's great to hear. Oh, that's good. You know what? Your side. Of it. I have that book. I haven't read it yet, but I, can't, I know I'm going to read that today. You know what? Great. It is. Uh, it is a wonderful book, actually, and it's 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 very poignant. It's it's funny, but talk about just chronicling an amazing career. Uh, but then all of the ups and downs and, you know, the, the different griefs that he's been through. And, I mean, yeah, somebody that's extremely transparent about everything from, you know, marriage problems to things that have um, affected him in his career. You know, little did you know, you find when you read that book, um, he was rejected all over the place when he got to Nashville because people told him he couldn't sing. And like he had, he had like. He's the best. He's he's one of the best singers I've ever worked with. Isn't he it's amazing? Unbelievable. And, and it just was crazy to me. I'm reading this book, and they kept like labels kept telling him, "We love your writing, but you just don't you don't have the vocals." And I'm thinking, "Holy cow! What do you have to do to have the vocals? My goodness." That uh, is crazy. So, yeah. Well, Andrew, man, it has been really great to reconnect with you. I hope we can uh, spend some time hanging out at the National Worship Leader Conference at Trevecca here. In a few yeah. Months. That's going to be a fun time, and uh, lots of good friends are going to meet up there. And 
since I graduated from Trevecca, it's going to be like kind of homecoming for me getting to come back for that. But uh, thank you so much. It's it's really been great. I can't wait to uh, get the new album. I, I uh, pledged my own uh, Kickstarter amount, so I'm ready to get it when it's ready to come out. And I encourage everybody listening to do that and go to Andrew's Kickstarter page. We'll make sure and have a link in our show notes. So, Andrew Osinga, thank awesome. you. Thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week. Thank you for joining me here this week on the Voices in My Head podcast. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com, follow me on Twitter at rickleyjames, like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash rickleyjames, and keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for Pair Booking Agency. That's P-A-R-E Booking. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet. And now the benediction. May the God of peace who raised Christ from the dead strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore. Amen.